Chapter 24 of The Pirate Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fatima Ansari from the beautiful land of Kashmir. The Pirate Woman by Alward Edward Dingle. Chapter 24 Milo Crosses the Bar. Milo watched Stumpy disappear down the grove path, and heard him call to his men to follow. Then he regarded the receding yacht intently for a moment, and the last vestige of noble devotion went from his face and gave place to a great and absorbing bitterness. In that instant, the foundations, pillars, and capitals of his soul shook and tottered. His universe changed from a thing of golden beauty and heavenly splendor to a shameful mockery of truth and faith. In that moment, his thoughts flew back to little Pascherette, and his great heart yearned toward her. False she had proved, but to what? To whom? He asked himself these things as he slowly walked back along the tunnel, not yet knowing what he would do. He answered his own question. Pascherette had proven false to falsity. She had schemed against the schemer, and, in the other tray of the balance, she had done these things for love of him, out of a deep and all-powerful ambition to place him, Milo the slave, in the high place of the wanton ingrate who had deserted her people. And the thought hurt him now. He had not yet yielded her the kiss she craved. Even now, the little gold-tinted one might be cold in death, denied that small consolation because of his obstinate heart. He ran along the tunnel and burst through the great chamber, cursing the idle slaves into silence when they cried their helpless queries at him. And straight to Pascherette he sped, to fling himself down by her side and seize her tiny, moist hand in frantic appeal. Pascherette, he whispered with a dry sob. Little golden one, speak to thy Milo. Speak and forgive. The octoroon gave no sign of life, and the giant dropped her hand, and gently raised her pallid face. His lips sought hers in a passionate kiss, long and yearning, and slowly her eyelids fluttered and opened. The dark eyes were misty, yet that long-for kiss had brought back her fleeting spirit to recognize her man. She closed her tired eyes again with a little sign, and the small, pale lips formed the words, I am content, Milo, my God. The giant bowed his head over her silent face, and his black eyes searched for a returning flicker of vitality. It was gone forever. Pascherette was dead. And Milo laid her down gently, and drew back to stare at her with growing rebellion and horror. What gods could there be to use him thus? He leaped to his feet with arms flung upward. Ha! Gods of earth and sea, witness Milo's penitence, he said hoarsely. To Dolores I have given the worship that belonged to ye, and ye have taken terrible atonement. Pity me. He paced the small alcove nervously, seeking light where no light was. Then the harsh shouts of Stumpy's men resounded through the chamber, and he stepped outside in alarm, for it was not yet possible for him to discard the usage of years which forbade intrusion in that secret place. 
he saw Stumpy's four men standing open-mouthed in the doorway beneath the yellow lantern, gazing ludicrously at the magnificence of the furnishings. The slaves at the powder store stood where he had left them, idle and aimless, but with an open chest at their feet. This now attracted the pirates' attention, and with a stamp and a shout, they roared through the great chamber, their faces awork with newly aroused avarice. Just for one second, Milo pondered staying them, but his soul had soured. He uttered a grunt of scornful disgust and waved a hand at them, muttering, Revel, ye dogs, plunge thy hands deep, tis all thine, and the fiend's blessing go with it. He returned to his dead pacherette and knelt beside her, patting her cold hands and speaking to her softly and tenderly. Out in the chamber, the pirates had hurled aside the slaves, and flinging open the chests, were glaring with wolfish eyes and dripping jaws at the bewildering mass of treasure revealed. Their noise irritated Milo. He went out again to stop them, and he saw a pirate snatch up a glittering tiara and place it on his head with a roaring oath. He saw another snatch the bauble off, and in a breath the pirates were at each other's throats. Cutlasses flashed and a savage fight began at the moment the women stole in to see the mysterious place and one of their number ran to bring Stumpy. The giant glowered at the snarling men as at some repulsive beasts, horrified that they should thus desecrate the quiet of his pasharet's deathbed. He was not the Milo of old now. His memory had flown back through the years to the time when he was a youth of position and great promise in his own land. When, instead of being the cast-off servant of a beautiful ingrate, he numbered his own servants by hundreds and a great dignity stole into his ennobled face. He softly picked up the dead girl, and advanced toward the rock tunnel. Stumpy met him at the door, and the crippled pirate's eyes burned with the newborn lust of loot. Stumpy made as if to stay the giant with questions, but he saw the snarling fight at the end of the chamber, and caught the glitter of the jewels. With the stumbling speed of a charging wounded bull, he rushed in to join the battle. Running women brushed against Milo in the passage. All the camp's living people had caught the fever. The giant strode on until he stood in the rugged rock portals and gazed once more over the sea. The schooner had moved but slightly since he last looked at her, and he could see Dolores's head still advancing, and very near to the vessel now. The breeze had lulled, perhaps preceding a shrift of wind, and the visible people on the deck of the Feufoyette appeared to be running back and forth in indecision. At Milo's right hand, the great rock sat on its ledge, ready to fall at a touch, and his brooding eyes flashed to it with terrible meaning. Inside, the great chamber resounded with the clash of steel, the shouts of furious human beasts, and the shrill cries of women urging them on. For there must be victors, even to such a sordid fight, and to the victors, spoils. Where victors and spoils are, there harpy women await them. Milo gazed long and passionately into the face of his dead. Then he laid her softly down outside the rock and arose with a fierce light irradiating his face. Dogs, who would thus break the sleep of my beloved? I give ye good for evil, he muttered. Treasure ye crave, treasure I give ye, and none may take it from ye. He turned put his hand upon the giant rock, and started it from its bed. 
and as he moved the mass, the mountain rocked and crashed with the thunder of the bursting powder magazine. Down came the great rock, pinning Milo beneath it, threatening in its final fall to crush him and the body of his love. His great arms shot out and up. Every muscle on his colossal frame stood out like ropes. His back cracked with a tremendous strain. He stiffened his knees, bit into his lip until the blood gushed, and a groan burst from his breast as he felt his stout knees stagger. His bulging eyes glared ahead over the sea. Into the air flew a thousand fragments of shattered rock. They fell and thrashed the sea into foam a mile from shore. Rocks fell upon his already overwhelming burden. His knees bent, and the blood trickled from his nostrils. And with his fast ebbing breath, he breathed his valedictory, fixing his stony eyes upon Pacharet as upon his deity. Gods of my fathers, receive my spirit into thy halls. Let thy swift justice overtake the cause of this upheaval, and receive with my spirit the spirit of the one who loved me. He fell to one knee, and a great sob shook him. The rock was falling in a shower about him. It rang and crashed on the gigantic stone that was crushing him. He bent his gaze in anguish afresh on the dead girl, now almost buried under stone and earth, and murmured, Pacherette, I come. I see beyond the blue ocean and the golden horizon the throne of my gods. Come, golden one, let us go. There will our faithfulness meet just reward. He pitched forward upon the dead girl, and the great rock crashed down, building them a tomb grand as the eternal hills. End of chapter 24